0: Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences.
1: Carl J. Cox here, and I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. 40 Strategy inspires leaders to grow their companies from startup to 40 million and beyond by designing world class strategic plans and help keeping our clients accountable to actually get it done. Go to 40strategy.com to learn more. I like to always give a little shout out on our, during our podcast. And this shout out goes to Mike Veneer from OMEP, which is the Oregon Manufacturing Extension Partnership, for introducing me to Brad Tribish at Central Valley Fund, and ultimately to our guest here today, Don Lindsay. CEO at Precision Manufacturing. Don is a precisions based down in Eugene, Oregon. Don is a transformational servant-based leader that specializes in creating hard charging, hard performing, sales and customer focused organizations. He is a military veteran, high school lacrosse and football coach, and Don truly leaves a lasting impact of organizational improvements wherever he has been. Don, welcome to the Measure Success podcast.
0: Oh, thanks
1: for having me. It's a real pleasure. I've been looking forward to having you on this show for quite a while. And, and, you know, Don, I consider you a friend now. Obviously, we've been working in a a client-type-based relationship, but it has been so exciting to see what you've done at Precision. For our guest, why don't you share a little bit more about what Precision does?
0: Yeah. So precision manufacturing is, uh, you know, we started in 1977 really as a local job shop, supporting the local sawmills in the area. Like a lot of the the machine companies down here, machine manufacturing companies. And over the years, the company started to create some proprietary products to look at them. They're not overly sexy. They look like little gray or big gray boxes. They range in size from 300 pounds to 16,000 pounds. And uh, primarily what we build or our main product is a rotary feeder or rotary valve, as we refer to it. And it's in, they're in industrial manufacturing plants around the country. And what it essentially is, is it's a metering airlock, right? So whenever, in any plant, you're moving material. And here in the Northwest, we move a lot of material, mostly wood products. And those, that material goes in various directions as it moves through the processes. The airlock that we manufacture allows the separation between two separate material handling processes. So for instance, if the material is moving this way, it's gonna drop off the conveyor and then there's a pneumatic discharge right down here. Well, if there was nothing in the middle, the air would blow up and push the material back upstream. So we build that box that seals it to keep the air going this way and then precisely meters the material as it falls down into the pneumatic discharge all the way out. So we manufacture two different kinds of rotary feeders and airlocks, depending on the industry, and then we're a specialized screw conveyor manufacturer. So screw, screw conveyors are very common in really in a variety of industries. We've managed to carve out a really specialized niche within our area where we take the most difficult problem that are causing the, the, the most outages and we engineer a solution that's going to keep the plant running. And it's going to get the material throughput that they need so that they can accomplish their goals. So that's a little about who we are. And we've obviously grown a lot since 1977 to 2022. We don't do as much job shops work anymore like we did in 77. Uh, The majority of our work, probably 80, 85 percent, are proprietary products, which uh, eventually, which really evolved over the years. Uh, we'd still have a healthy segment of business. that's uh standard job shop work. And most of that is supporting really some local large OEMs in the area, but we ship product all over the, all over the North America.
1: So you've exact date roughly, when did you come into Precision, Don?
0: I started at January 23rd of 2021.
1: So it's, it's amazing. It, 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 that's for the, Don, I've been working together through this process, but that's like it, it feels like seven years. The amount of changes that have happened—you know—it's like a, a dog year, so to speak. So, you came in initially as the chief revenue officer into into right. the organization, and yep. and it was an organization that was relatively well. Maybe you could describe it. How about that? What was it like when you first came into the organization, and what's changed since you've you've come there?
0: When I first came in, it was like walking back into 1985 right? As you can kind of see around the windows behind me, wood paneling and all, right? A lot of, you know, organization of great people, but they really just sat and waited for the phone to ring. There was no real focused proactive sales strategy, no real strategy whatsoever. The organization had pretty much fallen into what I would call survival mode, right? They, they had stopped trying to to play the game to win, and they were just really trying to play not to lose, And although that can be an effective strategy, depending on the situation, you cannot live year after year after year on that strategy. Because what happens is you're trying not to lose, but ultimately what happens, you get further and further and further away from winning, and then eventually you do. And so that's what the organization didn't, they didn't know what they didn't know. And because they, they just had developed a great product. And and they live by the old the old philosophy of build it and they will come. And that was a great movie, filled Their Dreams." Love it, Kevin Costner's my, the man. But uh, that's not reality in twenty twenty two business. That's for sure.
1: And I'd argue it's really never been reality. You know, that's why it was a movie. You know, the the reality is you have to you not only have to build a great product, but you have to get people to be aware of it, right? right. And actually ask people, hey, would you consider? Coming and actually buying our product and and doing that. So when when you first, so I think that was a great description of what was. What were some of the strategies that you know? Because you, you've effectively doubled sales orders since you've arrived, which has been a significant growth. I mean, you can't get much matchback; it's one of the fastest we've seen, and in a very short period of time. What strategies did you put in to help? create such a quick change from from once again a company that was trying not to lose to a company that's clearly trying to win.
0: Well I, I think, you know, Carl, you said it to me, right? Is that you said early on, Don organizations tend to mirror their leader. So be who you are and don't apologize for it. And so for me, I approached it as I've done a number of times now in the past is first establishing who I am as a leader. Is that I don't lose, right? I am a wide open, hard charging, get it done guy, and uh, that is who we will be. and uh, And that's those are the types of people that will work here. And so, for me, it was establishing me and what I'm all about, setting the expectation, which is what I do with customers: what they can expect from me, what can I am going to expect from them, and then and then give them the opportunity to make a choice right? You're either on board with where we're going, or you're not. And if you're not, that's okay. You know, you're great. And and I'm sure you are. But this just isn't the place for you anymore. And if you're on the fence, well, we're going to quickly find out if you're the real deal. So for me, it was about establishing myself. And then the second part of that was understanding the people, right? Who were the players on the field? Because in order to take over a team, an organization, whomever it is, you've got to know the people. Because the people make the business. It's not about the product, the building, the whatever. It's about the people. And so I had to know the people, right? Who are the people and the main players in the various roles within the organization? So I went out. I worked with them. I got to know them. I spent time with them from the person pushing the broom to the person making the sales calls to the person processing the orders, got to know them all. And then my focus was primarily sales and marketing. So it was about understanding where we had been, right? I got it in order to form a plan for moving forward. I got to know where we've been. So I, I pulled a lot of data, looked at a lot of numbers, started to analyze who we were as an organization, and Carl, you had worked with the company, I think, for a year or two before I came along. And so you had already started to do some real great strategy work. And so I partnered with you to get your opinion about where the, the, the future of the organization line. And I agree. Once you had kind of laid out a plan, you would said, Don, we need to focus from moving from a product centric focused organization to an industry focused sales organization. And I agree wholeheartedly. So in order to do that, what I had done is I took all of our revenue over the past five years and I and I looked at the industries where we had done business. Right. Wood products, biomass, power generation, coal fired power generation, cement manufacturing, pulp and paper, metals and minerals, plastics, general machining, OEM. And I took all of our revenue and I classified it right, into each individual bucket to find out how much revenue was being produced within each individual industry so that I could get a feel for which industries and which segments were were supporting us at the time. And then through work with you and uh, my own analysis, I started to identify which industries offered the greatest opportunity for growth. So once we had determined that, then it was about making sure we had the right people. And so we went to work. And uh, we had a very, very small outside sales staff. Those, unfortunately, we, we there was three of them. We parted ways with two of the three. We moved the third one, who is an absolute rock star, into the biomass of wood industry. And that guy is, he's the cornerstone in which I'm building on and continue to today. He oversees the largest segment of our business. He is a hard charging, getting done, just hard you know super sales guy that that you know says to me, Don, I don't make I don't make excuses for price, and I don't and I don't make excuses, period, because I sell the best product there is, and it's worth every dime. And those are the, those guys are, I mean, they're awesome. And so and then I went out and and started searching for. New outside salespeople that had the same hard charging mentality with possibly some industry experience that I felt I wanted to bring onto my team. And so the the second one we brought on was somebody that was focused primarily on the cement manufacturing industry. He's a remote employee. And this guy is one of the hardest charging sales guys I've ever been around. You know, very few salespeople really love prospecting, right? They'll do it, but it's one of those byproducts of the job. You don't really love it, but you do it because you have to. This guy absolutely loves it. He is a cold calling machine. And it was really about creating awareness, right? He had experience in the industry, started creating awareness, telling people who we are, what we did, we had some testimonials we could operate from. That segment today is up 230% in revenue in a year. Unbelievable, right? So we got him going on the path. Then we brought on a third sales rep, which was our third growing, fastest growing segment. And so pulp and paper industry. And that person today lives in Alabama. It's the heart of the pulp and paper industry. It's either there or the Northwest. And, and she is just absolutely killing it. So three hard charging outside proactive sales folks, right? I don't want them inside getting tied down with busy work and no pay-time activities. I'm a sandler sales guy. And so it's all about creating, you know, doing the activity, creating awareness, and developing relationships first and foremost. Then what I did is I had to bring in the inside, the inside sales support team, right, to support their efforts because I wanted them to, to stay focused on what it was that they did, but I needed to bring in some highly technical inside salespeople that could, that the outside person could pass off to, and then they could button it all up and for manufacturing and move it on into manufacturing. This would enable my outside salespeople to not, not to get tied down with quotes, drawings, product specifications, all that other stuff, right? Give the inside person that job. So we, we've we hired some inside salespeople and uh, I, I assigned one to each of my outside people. So the outside people have one person they're working through and then their customers come to know that one person is their inside sales support, right? So we started to create a sales atmosphere of proactive of a proactive proactive effort and then support customer support and follow-up, right? And that started to open up tremendous doors. And it's amazing what happens when you just ask the question, what else do you have there that I might be able to help you with? (laughs) Right? What what is giving you trouble? What is shutting your plant down? And all of a sudden we started to have these opportunities be presented to us. And it was really why I came to Precision. You know, when I was approached the day after Thanksgiving in 2020 about coming to Precision, yeah, you know, I wasn't overly excited. Never thought I'd be, be running a machine shop, manufacturing shop in my entire life. But after I looked at the company, I never saw an organization with so much opportunity and unrealized potential in my life, right? It was like, Oh my goodness. It just, it just needed leadership and guidance. So we built on that sales part, right? We continued to drive the revenue forward. Our backlog swelled to three or four times greater than it had ever been. And, you know, production was was struggling a little bit. Engineering was having a hard time keeping up. And so I was grateful enough for the board of directors to decide to appoint me into the, the main leadership role as, as chief executive officer so that I could bring that same hard charging mentality into our operations, into our finance and into our engineering team. And I sit today, I don't know, 16 months later, maybe 18 months. And I think we've turned over almost the entire organization, almost 50 people, with the exception of maybe a half dozen. And I'm telling you, I, was, I had an employee in here yesterday telling me, Don, I cannot believe the quality of the people that you have here today, whether it's the engineering team, it's the finance team, it's the manufacturing team, the quality of the people here today they got great attitudes. They work their tail off and they love coming to work every day. And they're a hard charging people. And so it's it's on that group that's really taken me forward and, and me taking them forward and and us together, we're, we're moving this thing into a new direction.
1: Now, it's been amazing to see, Don. I think for those who are listening and and I've been able to observe from an from advisory level of how quickly, you've been able to make decisions and act appropriately, you know, whether people self-select or whether people end up moving forward, you know, uh, to to pursue other opportunities. At the end of the day, you've you've had to make these changes to get your team in place, right? You know, so kind of the classic getting getting the right people. And then you've been putting them right seat in the bus, right? Because there's been some moving around. Like even you said with your, one of your core salespeople, you put them into a role where you thought they're going to add the most amount of value. Right. You know, so, so that's, that's happened as well. When you go th- so, you know, you, you have those Now, one of the things I'm kind of curious about, you, you kind of solved one problem. You already said this, but then other bottlenecks happen in the organization. Right. That's so right. what do you, after you, you kind of broke the, the sales nut, so to speak. Right. And, and, and sales started exploding. And then you started seeing, operational opportunities for lack of a better term, right? You know, to try to get all this these these new sales out through the pike. What 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 was a key thing you had to do next? Right? What what was a key part of your plan, your strategic plan to help make sure we can start getting this moving in the right direction, flowing product more consistently? (laughs)
0: That's a good question. It certainly wasn't sitting in my office and looking at, at numbers, right? It, it meant, and it literally was the day after the board appointed me CEO, I put my work boots on, uh, I put my coveralls on, and I went out in the shop and I went to work. And, you know, you learn a lot about your team. You learn a lot about your bottlenecks and your issues when you jump into the foxhole with them, Right. When you when you're down there in the foxhole and you're taking fire and the enemy's approaching, you really find out the type of people that you have. And then you also find out what they're fighting the battle with. Right. Do they have the the best resources and the latest, you know, weapons and armor and all that stuff? Or are they out there trying to make it happen with the spoon? Right. So that was me was was really spending time with them. And they asked me, Don, what are you doing out here? Because they, and, and it literally in 20 years, they had not had the CEO of the company come out in the shop and work with them. So they couldn't figure it out. And I said, I'm just here to learn about you. I want you to tell me what you do. Show me what you do. And it wasn't a stand and watch. I, within five minutes, I broke our crane, right? <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't ran a crane in a long time. So they still joke about that. Yeah, Don came out, broke the crane. So I broke the crate and uh, we had to call the repair guy, a little bit of a repair bill there, but, but you know what? It, it broke the ice. Gave, they realize I'm not perfect, right? It's okay to make mistakes. We just want to own it and, and work together. And so that, what I did is really, un, it gave me an opportunity to get to know them, understand the issues that they that they're faced with and, and whether they are really being given all of the resources that they need to be successful. And I found a lot of shortcomings all the way across the board and and that started to really develop the plan of action for moving forward.
1: Now yeah it it's totally has driven what 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 for you when you when you went to the operate what what was like a you know, one of the things you did, and that's part of the servant-based leadership part, right? Is that, that yeah. you went out and you went to actually learn. That's what, that's what sometimes it it's the dichotomy of of leadership is actually to, to learn in the front lines, to actually manage them by walking around, to actually see and connect with not just your executive team, your leadership team, but actually connect from all parts of the organization to really see and hear and feel. So you, you gain a ton of insights. What do you think has been... The most important move that you've made so far to help make sure that these, all these ideas and and concepts are going to actually get done.
0: I think the most important part is, is, uh, you know, staying focused on the strategy, right? There's a lot that needs to be done here. And, you know, when you're, when you take an organization that's rude in 1985 and you're in 2022, there's no shortage of things to do, whether that's upgrading our phone system, you know, or taking the garbage out. Um, I had to stay focused on what the most important things were to the organization and which were going to have the biggest impact, right? And, and Carl, you were great with that. You and I spoke regularly and, and you're like, Don, focus, stay focused on the things that are going to have the greatest impact the organization, right? And so I always had that in my mind. And when I very first started, you know, Carl, because, you know, you're so active in my life and the organization, you're, you are my friend and, and a very close one at that and a mentor that I love forever, may not always agree, but at the end of the day, I always love you. And you know that a board member, right? A consultant, a confidant, and, you know, and all the, all the above. And, and I had asked you, I said, Carl, I need you from a board perspective. Tell me what my priorities are, right? Tell them to me because I got to know what I'm trying to accomplish. What are we trying to accomplish and where we're going from your perspective? And you did. You said, Don, I'm going to give you four, right? Which is probably one too many. And, and these are going to be your priorities. And so those four priorities went on my whiteboard, which I looked at every day, mm-hmm. right? And those set the stage for what I did. Every, every task, every responsibility, everything that I did was, was derived from what those four objectives were. And when I accomplished them, it was such a gratifying thing to walk over the whiteboard and just cross that off, right? And I did that, you know, one, two, three, and four. And and it was a great, great thing. And and, and it really helped keep me focused on on really what was most important. And, you know, it was about employing the strategy. But, you know, it was also through that process by getting the right people here and, and in the right position so we could do what needed to be done.
1: Yeah. You, you, you know, made some key decisions in hiring, right. Where, you know, you, you are, if you've been listening and getting to this, Don is definitely a, a, well, you can't tell he's a pretty big guy, you know? <laughs> first of all. And, and so, um, and, and, and so for most people, you, you go up next and wow, you know, but, but what was important was you had to, you actually had to let go a little bit, right. Yeah. You had it, you had to, you know, make sure you had the right people in the boss, and then to trust them to do their work. Cause you, you wouldn't be able to scale without some key key people that you brought in. How has been that, because you, you brought in some key people, how has been that from your perspective? Have you been able to breathe a little bit more with, with getting the right people in place?
0: Yeah, yeah. The rest of the story was, as we worked through operations, you know, we made a lot of really key changes. It was kind of a phased approach. You know, it was just a plan, do, check, you know, act, check, act, and, and or act, check. I always get that backwards. But it's really going through and, and molding and changing and then, you know, you people start self-selecting out, right? Because they don't, they see what's coming. There's a level of accountability that was coming. There was some questions of why are you doing that? And don't tell me it's because you've always done that, done it that way, right? They knew it was coming and they didn't want to be a part of it. And that's okay. You know, that's nerve wracking for some, for me, part of the deal. Because I, I want people here that are vested, that want to be here, that believe in what we're doing. And so we went through this phased approach and it got to the point to where you're right, I couldn't do it all, right? Trying to drive sales forward because in addition to the CEO, I'm still the sales manager. And I was at the time, I was the you know COO, and then I was the C, you know, every OO as you can imagine. And so I made the decision to bring in a a director of operations who Comes from a very similar industry. If you you didn't know, you'd think we're related. He's got the same great haircut. He's a hard-charging, get-after-it guy. And he was able to take the operation from me and really deploy our strategy as if I was doing it, which was a great relief because I, as most, I think... Most successful CEOs are we're, we're control freaks, right? We don't like letting go of things. And then we brought in a really a rock star of a finance person as our director of finance and accounting, and she kind of has a man, She she's got a manufacturing background. She comes with a lot of experience and knowledge, and she's diving into our financial state, which has evolved into a big pile of muck over the last twenty years. And she is peeling the onion away to get to the heart of the matter as we prepare for an ERP launch. Having those two give gave me great confidence so that I could focus at the 100,000 foot level stuff, focus on the marketing so we can continue to grow our awareness and then keep driving the sales team forward. And it's been a, been a great benefit.
1: No, it's been, it's been, once again, amazing to see the transformation and it's been so exciting, Don, am so proud of you, of the effort and work that you have done to get to there and, and having also the, the humility to say, what can I do better? You know, which, which is sometimes the challenge, right? In these situations and, and, and being willing to, to make different changes and move through different parts, but you've, you've kind of had planned, you check, act, right? Things like not everything we think about initially is going to be the right thing. You do, you try. You check it and then you make changes and adjust, you know, at the end of the day. And you've done that consistently. So so today, or at least for for your perspective at Precision, how do you measure success?
0: You would ask me that question, I think, in day, day two or maybe month two. I can't remember, but it was very early on. And uh, for me personally, I'm different than most, right? I don't measure success in a very traditional way. For me, my success and my organizational success is really based around the people and and I answered the question in the same way I'm gonna answer it today. And I remember it kind of set you back a little bit because it was was very unique. For me, I'm gonna measure precision success when we are the place in the local area to work, Mm -hmm. right? When everybody, every expert within their field wants to work here because of what we're doing where we're going and the atmosphere and culture that has been created, right? When they are knocking down the door because this is the place to be, all the other stuff will take care of itself, right? The sales, the operational efficiencies, the the all that financial aspect, you know, the profitability. It'll all take care of itself when you've got the right people on the bus. And for me, that's how I measure it. And what's interesting is that's happening today. Mm-hmm. We're having people from other businesses and other industries calling up like, I want to work for you. And they're the best of the best. And and that is like, okay, we're we're on the right track. So that's how I measure success. I figure when we're doing the right things, right, then then the the stuff like revenue and profitability and all that will take care of itself. And that's the same way when I was a sales guy, you know. I had had success in sales, and my sales manager asked me, So, Don, what is it that you do that's so much different than everybody else? You know, because you're selling the same thing. And I said, Here's the key I don't focus on making money or hitting sales goals, I focus on making a difference in the customer's life. Right? That's my goal. I want to positively impact their day, whether I'm able to. You know, help them be more efficient, put a smile on their face. And at the end of the day, when I walk out, I'm, I'm growing my relationship with that person. And as a result of that, I sell stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And by selling stuff, I've been able to be the number one salesperson and achieve a lot of the goals. And so I, I don't, as a sales leader, I don't tend to put quotas on people because I found that quotas start to be a distraction, they start to focus too much on the number and hitting a number that they forget about what it takes to get there. So I take the quote away. I worry about it as their leader. And I just tell them, do this. Right. Just do this. You do the activity, You develop the relationships, you stay focused in that area. This sales number is going to take care of itself and so that's what i do and and how i've been able to really lead a variety of, of industries and organizations and departments to to success and i do it very in a really a different way and because i'm kind of a different guy but but it's all it's all rooted deeply in the people
1: and i could say as i was just down in eugene this past week number one the parking lot was full <laughs> it didn't used to be full when i first started there and so that that's a bit of a measure of success right there and uh, I, I think what you said it, it can't be understated. In terms of, pe- I, I was just with a meeting with a bunch of uh, leaders recently, and they were, everyone was, "What are we going to do about the people problem?" Meaning, ability to hire and retain people. Yeah, you, you, you're focused. You're, you're you've changed the whole ball game, yes. and said we're going to create a place that people want to be at. That's right. That's how we're going to solve that problem. And that's what is happening. You know, you're, once you once again, the very beginning of this podcast, you talked about how somebody new said, "Wow, well, I can't believe the caliber of the people that you have in the organization. And, and yeah, there is, I could say, once again, I could say it, since I've been there pre and post. Once again, this isn't a matter of great people, great people that fit your organization. That's right. right. You know right. and, and 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 so that's I want to really clarify that there's really great human beings that were there before and since and, and all of a sudden but but it's matching right. going back to the original part is matching who you are that's right right and also have the right skills that you need that's right. precision needs right to ultimately help serve customers right and what you were talking about there too is you're talking about focusing on the leading indicators to get to the outcomes right that's if you focus on serving right at the end of the day and making a difference for the clients then we can get the results of actually giving them a great product, which then, of course, brings increase in sales. And of course, we've seen that you know, through the work that you and your team have done. So, all right, let's, Don, I'd love to flip to the personal side because once again, you are. If once again if Don would stand up and flex, you would be impressed. He's a really <laughs> strong dude, and and yes, uh, one of the one of these type of people that you might see more likely to pop off of like a Harley Davidson, even though he has a big truck instead. I
0: actually, ride my Harley today. So oh, that's
1: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, so he fit in right you know perfectly with that crowd. But at the time, here, he's sitting in the CEO seat, and what are you doing? on a regular basis to maintain habits so you can maintain yourself? Because you work really a lot of hours and, yeah. and, and you're consistently putting in full effort. What habits have you created to help make sure that you can be as consistent as you can on a regular basis?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a great question. For me, um, I'm a, I'm a man of faith. And so for me, in fact, faith is really important to me. So I'm up at you know, 5 a.m., and my first hour of the day is always doing my my Bible study. Right, my work. I have to read. I have to be fed spiritually in order for the physical and the mental stuff to to follow. So I'm very dedicated with that. And so I'm up by five. I'm usually out of the house by. You know, six thirty, give or take a little bit, and so that's key. I have, I was religious about working out at lunchtime, and I need to get back on that. I, I I have really been consumed, as you can imagine, and so I I do have to work at getting back at that and that and develop getting back into that habit because I I did it at lunchtime for twenty years, and then. When I leave, and I'll, you know, I, as I told you, and I've told a lot of people, I'll, I'll put in as many hours as I need to put in, right? I'll start whenever I need to, and I'll work as late as I need to. But when I turn off the line, I'm out. So I don't look at email at home. I don't, you know, I, if people call me at home, it's generally an emergency. And they know that, you know, don't bother Don at home, because unless it's an emergency, because I'm I'm shut down. I'm a, I'm a real kind of flip the switch kind of guy. And, and so for me, it's about being present with my wife and my fam- my, my kids, I have a daughter and a son and making sure that I'm, I'm giving them what they deserve because they're, they're a priority. They're why I do what I do. And so I really try to focus on that. And, and, and then also just spending quality time with my wife and, uh, you know, for, for us, man or woman to be successful, you, your spouse has got to lovingly support you. Right. Because you come home, you're exhausted, you're mentally tired, you have to travel. Uh, there's a lot of stresses and they have to understand that. And my wife, I'm fortunate enough to where her and I went to kindergarten together.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we've known each other since we were five years old. Crazy. Been married 32 years. So I'm fortunate enough to have a spouse that that lovingly understands me and is able to help me do those down days and encourage me and then also knows how to get me kind of you know in the right mindset and so we try to spend time together we spend every weekend together doing things and try to try to take off whether it's to go to the coast or we're going to go to San Diego in a couple weeks and just to disconnect and I tell my staff that listen when I'm on vacation there are three reasons to call me number one uh the buildings burnt down right that's like the most important Number two, I've been fired. So, and really, you know, number two might be able to wait. I really want to know if the building's burnt down. (laughs) So, and then the third one, I I don't know. I can't really think of it right now. But, you know, those are really the reasons. So people, it's funny when they call me and they do sometimes in an emergency, they say, Don, uh, the building hasn't burned down. You haven't been fired, but I got a quick question. What's your password? (laughs) So, you know, those are the things that I do to try to just keep me grounded and centered. You know, when I'm here at work, uh, I try to interact with the people as much as I can. It's really easy for me to come in and put my head down at 630 and not look up until 630. And so I have to have to learn and, and, you know, manage my myself, which which is quite challenging sometimes.
1: So how do you measure success in your personal life?
0: Yeah, how I measure success personally is really the same way that I would measure it in business, right? It's how's my family? How's my wife doing? How are my kids doing? Are they are are they getting what they need from from their their father and their husband? right? Are they, are they fulfilled? Are they, do they feel like they're, they're on this journey with me together? You know, I don't measure success by how much money is in the bank, because that's an empty way of measuring success. It, 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 um, you know, you never have enough. And so for me, my success is really about, you know, my wife and my kids and, and where, how they are doing. And if I'm helping to elevate them to success, my daughter's almost graduated from college. Going to be a teacher. My son just passed his EMT. Is going to be a fireman. My wife is is just a wonderful human being. So for me, that's how I measure success: is by being able to do those things and be present and and really, you know, being the father and the husband that I'm that I desire to
1: be. That's fantastic, Don. How always love to ask our guests. What book or books would you recommend for our audience?
0: Extreme Ownership. Sober my corner by Jocko Williams and Leif Babbitt. Man, it is the book. Right? If if the world could not stop making excuses and just own it, it's amazing what would happen. My team here knows I, I'm all about ownership, right? I know you're gonna make mistakes. I make them all the time. And I had a had a, a tech outside, I'm sorry, a welder fabricator make a make a mistake and damaged some property. And it was, you know, not happy. And he came into my office and he sat down the first things out of his mouth, which I'll I'll hold the expletives, but he said he basically messed up. And I started smiling. And he said, well, I'm glad you're smiling. I go, well, I'm smiling. not because I mean, I'm not happy, but I'm happy because you owned it. And because you owned it, we have a foundation to operate operate from moving forward. We have something we can work from and get better, right? And so he's going to be part of the organization. We're going to continue to keep you know working with him and, and so that he can focus and not make those mistakes again. So but yeah, extreme ownership is the key.
1: And that lesson will permeate throughout the organization when they became aware of somebody who who owned to it. It's like it was an expensive mistake but when you can make an argument it was the it was the best money spent on training oh. right about the culture of the organization when when we can consistently get people to to own up to their own things and then be willing to learn and change right you know Absolutely. to move forward so we can help you know, because we're gonna break break things along the way. We all are, yeah. right? You know, you broke that crane. I mean, you tried to manhandle it and broke <laughs> it like on like twenty two seconds. You know, Don. So, how about what is a? We talked about that. How can people connect with you or learn more about precision?
0: Yeah, you can learn more about precision. You know, obviously, the most common way is just by going to the website. Dub dub dub. Pre P is in Paul, R E is an Echo, M-A-C-H.com, premock.com. For me, I'm on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's any other Don Lindsay's with this really cool haircut. So I think there's only one. So that would probably be the most common place. Send me a message and they'd love to connect with folks. And, you know, I'm all about sharing wisdoms, so, right. Cause I think when we're collectively sharing with each other and helping each other be better, we're all going to succeed. And so I'm, I'm always available to answer questions or provide input. And, you know, sometimes I always tell people that when you, when you get into my circle, you've got that one call, right. That you can make and call. You've been the one call for me a number of times. So people have that one call that someone they can call to bounce something off of them just to get some, a different perspective. And for me, I love, I love being that person and and would love, you know, to help anybody.
1: And, and when I get that call, it's even been on a weekend. I, you call it the bat phone. Like if you're not answering the bat phone right away, it's like, I'm not doing my job. And, That's right. and if you, if, for those who aren't watching on YouTube, Don, Harry, he's talked about a few times, he uses a razor to help make sure he keeps that (laughs) noggin clean. So that probably help you out what that looks like when he sees it. But anyways, Don, thank you so much for being a guest on the Measure Success Podcast. Yeah, thank you. And to all of our guests, thank you for listening and wishing you the very best at measuring your success. Have a great day.
0: Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.